Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Well, welcome to this week's episode of the Driven Chat Podcast. You're listening to the voice of John Marco. Hello. Happy to be hosting you. And sat to my left, I have the other regular voice that you're used to hearing. It's Miss Amy Shaw. Hello, Amy Shaw. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Good. Very well, thank you. Good. And I'm pleased to say that we are sat in a very regular place. We're in our studio truck, sat in the car park at Cafe de Machine. We've just spent an entire evening recording radio show stuff. And now we get to do a podcast, which is really good fun. And the reason it's so much good fun is because we have not one, but two guests sitting in. I say two guests because one of them is pretty much just on the payroll now. He's on the team. <laughs> He's a name that you have read before in the titles of our podcast. He's been on not one, but two podcasts now. No, I'm lying. He's been on three because we've even used a radio highlight section on a previous podcast. And his name, you might recognise it, he's off the telly, he's called Mike Brewer. Hello, Mike. Hello, John. The little bit of surprise there, John, was I'm on the payroll. Uh, <laughs> I, I, didn't know, I, didn't know. I, I believe for contractual reasons, I said practically on the payroll. <laughs> I need to rewind that and have another listen. There was something about payroll. I knew nothing about that. We'll, uh, we, we pay in pints and conveniently we're at Cafe de Machine, so we'll continue to, to do that. But uh, Mike's decided to sit in on this particular episode, which isn't a usual format, and we are delighted you have chosen to do so, because we have with us as our guest, as our headliner for this episode, a freelance motoring journalist called Carl Fortune. He sat opposite me in our studio truck, and I mentioned to Mike just before we were, well, just as we were wrapping up our, our radio show antics for the evening, oh yeah, we're going to do a podcast with Carl Fortune, probably going to talk a lot about 9-11s, and Mike said... 
I want to be in. <laughs> not, not only do I want to be in, Kyle's been one of my long life friends for uh, the past two decades. We've traveled around the world together several times. Uh, we've skied a lot together, which is fantastic. Me and Kyle have been to the dark side together, uh, which is really good. As in, we've been very drunk together several times. And uh, Kyle's one of my big mates, and uh, he's very ingrained in that 9-11 world, the world that I love so much. So uh, to sit here with Kyle, you guys, talking about cars that I love, uh, yeah, count me in. Fantastic. So, Carl, firstly, welcome. Thank you very much. What an introduction. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, we hyped you up enough. You here, did, you we? did. That was very, very good. Freelance motoring journalist, That's Carl. Right, yeah. How, let's imagine we are, let's do the um, in, in-laws introduction. So oh, what do you do, Carl? You're a motoring journalist, a freelance. What does that mean? Uh, well, potty history. Um, so I started, you know, writing at uni and realised that writing was something I enjoyed. Yeah. And I did a geography degree of all things, so, so it wasn't anything to do with cars or anything like that. But read car magazines from birth, basically. You know, the second I could read pickup stuff, I, I did that. And, and and I never thought it'd be something I could do as a job. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I never really sort of appreciated that people did this for a living. It's often the, <clears> the, 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 the line that people use when they do their perfect jobs. It's yeah. like, I never thought I could actually do yeah, this as a I, job. I, and, and it literally was when I was leaving uni, my parents said, what are you gonna do with yourself? I was reading car magazine watching Top Gear. My mm. parents were in the next room having a conversation saying he's quite good at writing. One of my parents' friends had said, why doesn't he write for a living? <laughs> and my dad came through and said, we're about doing that. And that's yeah, that's it. I write about cars. And, and it's, it's all I've ever really done as, as a proper job. And I, I don't like calling it a proper job because it's it's enormous fun and it's a real privilege. Of course. You know, it's, it's great, great fun to drive lovely cars, but it's meeting people and, and the people who, you know, work on them. Uh, your previous guest, I think, Ian Callan was in, I was with him yesterday, and it, it's, yeah. it's, it's that sort of access that, that, that really excites me. The cars are, are the vehicles to that, and, yes. and the people that, that you get to meet and enjoy their company and tell their stories, I think that's just a wonderful thing that's to it. do. We've said so many times in, in both this podcast, I think we've mentioned it on the radio show as well, that we're so lucky, we're so fortunate, all of us, to work in this world in this industry because it is a passion-led industry every single person that works in the automotive sector does so because they love cars or they love bikes or they love engines of some variety and you're right it becomes this almost like a social circuit sometimes yeah. doesn't it you go to car launches and you'll yeah. meet other journalists and you're like oh god hey like they become your friends yeah and, well, without, you know, without a doubt. Mike being a perfect example you know? yeah i mean i've known mike like like he says 20 years you know i remember when mike was just doing the, the regular sort of almost sort of the motor journalism thing where you went yeah. to a car launch and we jumped on a plane and and God, we had some fun doing that sort of stuff, and we've had some epic drives together, and all that sort of thing. And that that sort of escalated. Mike's done what he's done, and well, you know, what a, what a force of nature he become, you know. Um, but you know, I I've, I went freelance. You know, I joined. You know, I was with several agencies over the years. I, I worked and helped set up things like MSN Autos, and worked with Yahoo Cars and yeah. stuff like that. And did a lot of background writing for people and stuff. Never really worked for any of the main publications as a front of house staffer or anything like that. But I've always been freelance and written for any anybody from the Telegraph to the Top Gear to Autocar to Auto Express. And when I went pure freelance, I decided to sort of, sort of specialise on early drive and sort of high end stuff. And through through sort of good contacts at Porsche, I do send. To do a lot of Porsche stuff. Um, I must admit, probably about forty to sixty percent of my work's based around Porsches. And I'm glad you said that because I, b 
before we set up for today's antics, I had a good chat with a good friend of mine, I believe a friend of yours, Simon Medlicott, photographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, we've actually got Carl Fortune coming along tonight. Yeah. And he went, oh, yeah, Porsche guy. Yeah. Like straight away, <laughs> yeah, yeah. out of the bat. Yeah. If there's somebody that can commentate on Porsche 911s, it's Carl. Yeah. yeah. So how did that happen? Is that Was that luck of the draw or was it? do you have a particular it is a, It's always been a passion. So I think I think like a lot of people, you sort of fall into that Porsche world via air-cooled. You know, I, mm. I, I was reading Volksworld when I was a kid. Yeah. And that was my sort of thing, Beatles and, you know, beach buggies, all that sort of stuff. And I never never owned one, bizarrely. I've owned right. a couple of Porsches, but never never got around to scratching that beetle itch. I will do some at some point. <laughs> and you sort of fall into the... I, I, I remember the day I was at... at, at, at it was high school. Um, one of my friends came in and said, you know, there's a new Porsche magazine, and that's, that was 911 Porsche World. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd seen it in the newsagent in my hometown, and I nicked off from school and went to buy it because they'd only seen one because <laughs> they'd said they were going to go. So I went and bought that first issue and I've, I've still got it somewhere. But, you know, I think I think it was their 10th anniversary issue. I ended up, you know, I'd, I'd written a story for it and that was one of the first, in fact, that was the first piece I ever got in a Porsche magazine was wow. that magazine that I'd bought new. And f- that magazine resonated as well because it had Derek Bell's Carrera GTS in it. Fabulous. The 924 yeah. Carrera yeah, of GTS. Course. Of course. And I've subsequently met him and been lucky enough to drive cars up, up the, the, the hill at Goodwood behind him and drive right. some of his cars. But but I ended up buying a 924 Carrera GT off the back of reading the story about his car. I wasn't aware of that car. So it was that sort of thing. You know, it's always been part of my life. Mm. You know, the, 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 a story that I read when I was a high school kid made me want to go and buy that car. And I, it was a dream to buy one. And I, I did. I went by just by the time I was 30, ran that for a few years, let, you know, wrote about it in various magazines. And, and 9-11s just sort of came off the back of that. It's, it's, it's that enthusiasm. And I think the biggest break, I think, was when the, the, the NPR man at Porsche UK was kind enough to sort of invite me. He had, he had a very limited space invite for the 9-11R. So when the 9-11R was revealed at Geneva, within a week I was out at Visac chatting to Andreas Preuniger, who's the, who was the, the chief engineer, of, no uh, the head of director of, of GT product. And that was a real springboard for me because I ended up writing that story for countless people all yeah. over the world. And, 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 and subsequently, I've got a great relationship with these guys. You know, they, you know I sort of count them as friends. And, 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 and luckily enough, you know, I get into prototype cars. And mm. so that sort of early access is it's really good. And, and it's great to get in the cars, but again, it's, it's the people and what they can tell you, the stories behind yeah. mm-hmm. the, the stuff that they can tell you. Some of the, the, the engineers, when they'll tell you about stuff that you can't, I still can't say now, but <laughs> there's not, a book like, in it. Just not say who it was about and tell us if, if like, well, there, there's one, there, there is, there is a car, uh, well, it, like, so A911, they, they were having problems with the materials. Mm-hmm. And um, it just so happened that one of the, the, the engineers knew somebody at NASA. Mm-hmm. And this, and and it, 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 I can't really go into specifics about what it was, but they, they, you know, there is some NASA engineering in a 911. That's really cool. That could be more of a selling point to that, I think, rather than being something that you well, should think, hide. Well, it's it's one of those ones where you know NASA doesn't like to publicize it. They, they, they've got some of these trick materials and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, it, was, it yeah. was a materials thing, and and I just remember the engineering te- guy telling me that story when I was in the car, and thinking nobody else. Well, apart from the guys that were involved. Nobody knows that outside this circle, yeah. and 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 I think that's fascinating, and and and, and that's, I just think that being you're, able you're to tell, tell us the story. Off air though, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. So I'm fascinated by the 
the journey in this in the sense if that's if that's the right word to use because we speak to every so often a lot of journalists who have become freelancers mm. or freelancers that have become in-house journalists yeah, yeah. we've spoken to people like Tom Wilkie Ford, who's yeah, done a yeah, lot of freelance yeah, stuff yeah. and now is the associate editor of Top Gear magazine. Yeah. Alex Goy, who's done a lot of in-house yeah. writing and is now a freelancer. Mm -hmm. For you, it's always been freelance. Did you ever feel like you were working towards being in-house or if you did you discover at an early age, no, actually, freelancing is the best thing for me and that's what I'm going to stick yeah. with? I mean, I've been pure freelance for five years. Prior to that, I'd always sort of worked for agencies. Now, I worked for an agency called um, Motoring Research first actually the first job I had was for the driving instructors association really yeah so I, I put together their magazine a guy called Graham Fryer was very kind enough to take me under his wing and I arrived at the office similar sort of setup you've got here like basically sort of, mm. uh, this sort of size building and uh, walked in I'd done a 12-week intensive journalism course where I'd done work experience at Autocar and Top Gear oh, wow. um, and I'd I'd been given the basics of Quark Express, which was the old layout software, which you used to use back in the day to lay out pages. Walked into the office completely green, you know, mm. and, and within, I think within 10 days of me walking in the office, I had to take a magazine down to the printers, which I'd put on page because the designer wow. saw that I could do some basic stuff. And he, you know, he hadn't been there that day, so I'd just been put in front of this computer and it's like, they're, they're, just get on with it. And I yeah. put the front page together and he walked in the next day and he'd been looking for an out for a while. Aha. Walked in and went, oh, he can do that. So he off he took, and and I was it was a real baptism of fire. So I had a real basis. It was like literally within ten days, I had to take a magazine to press from pretty much nothing. And um, so I worked there for a year and a half. Joined an agency, worked there for seven years, helped build them up, mm -hmm. and then because I'd been involved with MSN Cars there, mm -hmm. you know, you, people like Alex Goy was involved with these people yeah, as well yeah, back in the day, um, and. Uh, I'd been quite, you know, I'd been their sort of key contact and, you know, I helped set that up. Um, and then a friend of mine got in touch sort of saying he'd been pitching to Yahoo. Mm -hmm. Could we do something similar? And he was a mate and, you know, it's quite an incestuous industry. We all know oh, each other. You know, so, yeah. so, so he was like, you know, off the record, do you, do you mind helping me? I said, of course, I'll help you out. You know, always help your friends out. So uh, he also said, but if we win it, do you want to come and join us? So I did, and we set up another sort of agency thing. And, and I enjoyed that. And again, I was there for about seven or eight years, but basically working as a team of freelance, mm -hmm. a freelance collective. But I just got a bit tired of having to pay, well, almost pay other people's wages, you know, have other gotcha. people to, to yeah. worry about. And I just sort of thought, actually, I'm better off on my own. And yeah. decided to do that and, and, and enjoy it. It's, it's great fun because I can pick and choose because, you know, I've got quite a young family and I can work a four day week and yeah. enjoy time with the kids and, you know. Which is a real luxury. Which is, yeah, I, it is a real luxury. I get luxury, the people yeah. that want to, you know, see the appeal in having that nine to five and being, you know, attending the office and doing all that sort of stuff. But I think you either are that person or you're not. And I think in the automotive industry, there's a lot, an awful lot of people that aren't. And I don't think it would be as glorious as it is now. Yeah. It, it, if it weren't for the people that just do things at their own time, you know, yeah. we, we all stay up till 3 a.m. some nights. Oh, oh absolutely. And <laughs> do bits and pieces. And, I think yeah. Carl's been a little bit humble as well. And the fact that he is a bloody great journalist, mm -hmm. you know, it's as good as that. He is, first and foremost, Carl has got that ability. I can remember two decades ago being with Carl and sharing a car with him on some car launch, maybe in Spain somewhere. And we used to look at the old kits and say, right. 
and the old gitch used to get away with murder on car launches because they'd sit next to somebody and just ask them to tell them about the car. Really? And then they would just write it down. Whilst and, propping uh, up the bar. Yes, yeah, whilst propping up the bar. Now me and Carl, unfortunately, have become the old gitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, very uh, much so. But, but Carl, you know, to, to be a really good car journalist, you have to have the ability to tell the story of the car. Yeah. It's not about you. It's about what you're experiencing and relaying that in a clear, informative way so your audience, the people that are flicking through those pages, can feel that coming out of the pages. Those words got to jump out to them about touch, feel, mm. uh, tactile responses, look. It's got to be all those things have got to leap out of you. And Kyle, fortunately, can do that just perfectly. Great. He can tell the story of the car. And that's what makes him such a prolific freelance journalist and why he's always had good work. But I gather for Kyle now, um, he's... Well, not really working, is he? Because <laughs> well, he's, not, he's not really working. Because it, it, what's the saying? If you can turn your hobby into your job, yeah, you'll never, never work, work a day in your life. life. Yeah. And Kyle is now writing, you know, about early pre-production 9-11s and getting invited to all these sort of special things with engineers telling them about NASA engineering. So Kyle is uh, probably not in his true sense of the word, thinks that he's working, but his words tell the story mm. of the car and t and the story of the people to put these cars together and that's why he's uh, that's why he's brilliant at it. Well it's very casual if you see so I mean it's 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 it, yeah, as any freelancer yeah. will tell you there's the rough and the smooth you know and like you said yourself you, you work till three some mornings and you know some days like today I've had a fantastic day today I've, mm. I've, you know, I've signed off a unicorn car I, I drove a uh, 964 3.8 RS, one of, one, one of 55. You know? Just take yourself back out of the room. Don't say things like that. But the that. thing is, so that, 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 that's, that's true, and I've been a thoroughly lucky guy to go and do something like that. But the other day I was writing a used car report on a Nissan Qashqai. So it's not, <laughs> it's not all supercars and hypercars. I love all cars. Yeah. It just so happens that to sort of, you know, you know, to try and make as much money as you possibly can out of these things, you need to find a niche. And my niche is to try and find the sort of more interesting specialist Porsches. Yeah. And, and I thoroughly enjoy that. But likewise, I, I do a lot of sort of behind the scenes writing work for websites, filling pages, of course. which is bread and butter work. But yeah. I, I love writing. I, I love the mm -hmm. discipline of sitting right down and writing. It doesn't matter if it's about a, a one of 55 mm. Porsche or whether it's a you know, uh, Nissan Qashqai. Yes, it does. It Don't does. say it doesn't matter. It doesn't, because I, I genuinely think, you know, there's a way of conveying stuff, that, you know, in the words to make things interesting. It doesn't, you know, and it, it matters that the people that are reading that, the consumers that, you know, mm. buy these cars, you know, things like Qashqai's and, you know, Focuses and Fiestas and all that sort of stuff, you know, they, they need information as well. Yeah. You know? and, and it's lovely to do the passion stuff. It's lovely to do the stuff that you can really indulge in and, 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 and enjoy the writing of. But I similarly, I genuinely love the discipline of sitting down and writing a, a piece that's quite formulaic and dry, mm. but adding something to it that, 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 you know, a reader will hopefully enjoy. I mean, yeah. that's... What's your process of writing? Because we've had in the past, um, when we spoke to Alex Goy, we did a podcast with Alex Goy called mm. The Joys of Journalism. And he said quite openly, he finds writing really hard. Mm. Like he finds it a challenge. He's obviously a very good writer, and the effort that he puts into it does yeah. produce some beautiful articles. But then a few weeks after that, we spoke with Tom, Tom Wickie Ford, yeah. who said that for him, the idea of writing being difficult is crazy because it's that's, that's the craft. That's yeah. the thing that he loves doing. He loves it so much. 
where do you sit on that? Are you on the scale of, of love? And then what oh, is your it. process for, let's say, in comparison to a 3.8 RS to a Nissan Qashqai, yeah. is the, would you say the, the passion about getting a completed, a completed article together is equal? Or would you approach it in a completely different mindset? Well, it's, it's always a different audience. And one thing about being freelance is I'm always writing for different people. You know, if I'm writing for, if I'm writing about 911s, it's always going to be a, a particular audience because it's yeah. an enthusiastic car. If I'm writing about a cash guy or a Fiesta or a, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. it, it's 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 less of an enthusiastic car. So it's more of a factual exercise. You've got to sort of convey it. But I love writing. I genuinely do like sitting down and writing. I, I, I'm very lucky that I don't find it difficult. Yeah. And... I've also got the discipline. I, I, I do. I do multiple stories for for different people. So so next, well, in two weeks' time, I'm going to take a V12 um, uh, Speedster um, Aston oh, Martin wow. up to Scotland on a road trip, and we're going to take a DBX, and we're going to sort of show bookend both ends of the of Aston Martin spectrum of cars. Now, for that, for me to to do that properly, I need to write that for upwards of 10 or 12 different publications uh -huh. to, you know, globally. And I've got places in Japan that'll take it, places in the States that'll take it, Germany, France, wow. Belgium, that they'll take those stories. But for each of those publications, I will write a unique story. That must be really difficult to write that many different variations of the same story. Well, it depends. Some, there will be some syndication pieces. I've got a syndication guy who will write a straight piece, mm -hmm. you know, a, a good piece, but a straight piece that can be translated to different languages. But some, some of my better clients will, you know, they'll deserve or they'll need, they'll have an angle that they won't covered. Mm -hmm. And I actually find it easier. I mean, you'll you'll know, you'll know the expression top and tailing, yeah, which is a, it's just something that's a few more advice to come past. Topping tailing was a practice that people might have done in the past where they would have put a new starter paragraph and a new mm. end paragraph and the body copy would be the same. I've always sort of treated every client as, think, think about it, if you're a painter and decorator, you don't arrive at the job with the paint from the last job and paint. The, yeah. You know, yeah. everybody deserves a job that they pay for. Yeah. So they all get unique words. And I really quite enjoy that because it does require discipline. Mm. I hated and you've it. got, you've got, <laughs> you've got to. Well, it's just, it's, I like the challenge of finding a different way of saying the same thing. I I done uh, review in Auto Express for six years. Mm. I did the review. That was eight hundred words a week. Mm. I was writing for Esquire magazine at the same time. But the review thing wanted to be, you know, a snapshot of what I was doing, my thoughts on the motoring world, something every week. Yeah. And it was only eight hundred words a week. You know, I can knock that up in twenty five minutes. Yeah. Twenty twenty five minutes. I used to hate it. I used to go on really? because it always came on a Tuesday at five o'clock. Was your you know you had to get your copy deadline in, and it was always reminded to me on Tuesday at four o'clock. You haven't done it yet. You know Ross Pinnock would phone me up. Yeah, say, good old Ross. Like, where's, where's your copy? And I go, oh bugger, I haven't done it. Let me, let me just do something now. But, but there's me on my phone trying to you know type up an eight hundred word column. But I, I, unlike Kyle, who loves the discipline, and that's amazing that you can write eight different variations of the same test drive i could barely write one variation right. of, of my experience of driving a car i wrote one column once actually it won an award i wrote a column once i was driving the ferrari 360 ah <clears throat> yes a car that um i may have bid on recently so i was driving <laughs> the ferrari 360 modern in italy at the launch of the car 
and I got told my copy deadline was late and I thought, oh, what am I going to do? So I wrote in the phone, Ferrari... Oh, no, I didn't. I wrote W-H-O-A-A-A-A-A, enough to fill up 800 <laughs> words worth, H exclamation mark Ferrari 360. So it basically read, whoa, <laughs> Ferrari 360. And I sent it and they printed it. No, right. They run it and printed it and I won an award for that. The easiest word code yeah, you've ever it was, had. It was a really good one. It was really clever. I think um, that's, that's a side to you, Mike, that I think a lot of our listeners and probably a lot of people that watch you on television aren't aware of. Well, they should be. If they bought Auto Express, I was in there every week for six years. And if you mm. bought Esquire magazine, I used to do the column in that every yeah. month in Esquire. I did that for uh, probably four years. And I've written almost every car show you've seen on TV. I've got a hand in it somewhere. Yeah, I've written course, it. Of course. Um, so, no, I love the skill of writing. Mm. I'm not a professional. Kyle clearly is a was destined to write. You know, if he, if Kyle was born a hundred years ago, he'd be a, he'd be a playwriter, or mm, you know, sure he'd be that. writing sonnets. <laughs> he'd be writing sonnets or plays or whatever. He'd be viewing what he... horses. Horses, yeah. <laughs> I don't like horses. But he was destined to write. I was never destined to write. Yeah. I was never. I was a car dealer. I was yeah. never destined to write. So it's forced upon me. I didn't train to write. No. Uh, I didn't think my spelling or my grammar was any good. But fortunately, you know, I live in a world where a computer does that for yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I trained myself. I just trained myself to tell a story and narrate a story. Uh, it's funny because I can remember lots of times I've gone on car launches and I've, there's certain journalists. When, you, when you're a car journalist and you fly around the world together, so me and Carla meet at Farnborough Airport and we're together with 30 other journalists. And immediately when all the journalists gather in the airport, yes, we all know each other and it's like yeah. a brotherhood and you all get together but immediately you're looking for your car partner yes, you're going right, yeah. who yeah. am I going to share the car God. with yeah, please don't pair me with a dude yeah, yeah. don't put me with Russell yeah. Bray you know that's, <laughs> that's what you're saying oh, Just who, so. uh, Roger Stansfield you know don't, oh. please put me please pair me with somebody I want to pair with so yeah. I would come into a room and if Kyle was there or Kyle would see me we'd seek each other out and it'd be the same if it was Alistair Weaver or, um, you know, there's loads of them sure. out there. You know, we'd, we'd seek each other out. If I couldn't find the person that I wanted to share a car with, I would immediately beeline for the PR, uh, whoever's there, and say, I, want, I don't want to share a car with anyone. Gotcha. Uh, I want to share a car with you. I want to share a car with somebody from mm. Toyota or Nissan or, or Mazda. I want to share a car with you. I don't want to share a car with a journalist. Because I was fed up absolutely fed up with sitting in the passenger seat of a car or driver's seat of the car with a passenger mm. and saying oh you know they're, they're almost interviewing me so what's it feel like when you when, yeah when trying you're to get it? their article yeah, and, and i would read it i would read they're my words that's exactly what i said and <laughs> i've just been throwing just, some curveballs yes and I'd, <laughs> just, just lie <laughs> so yes, you um, can really feel the benefits of this alan winchester suspension yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, and, and Kyle, Kyle never done that you know and yeah. uh, i'd never do it to her and he never done that so we uh, you know, we would travel around the world together and as Kyle would sit, it's funny because you always know professional journalists because as you've driven the car and you're back to the hotel, 
Um, I would immediately jump out the car and go to the bar. Kyle would go and write his copy. Yeah. And um, almost, al almost, I can say every time, he missed dinner. He would come when pudding was being served wow. and then uh, say, oh, I've just done my copy and catch up a little bit on a maybe a couple of drinks later in the evening. But no, I was the other way around. I was, let's have the fun. Let's have the dinner and the fun first and I'll worry about the copy tomorrow. <laughs> but it's tough, you know, having that discipline to be an automotive journalist. I don't want people to listen to this and think, oh, this guy's got it made. You know, he travels around the world driving uh, Porsches and having the time. He's like, it's a really, really tough job yeah, to sit there cool. and be that disciplined. Excuse the noise of the motorbikes. Uh, <laughs> to be that disciplined and to be able to do that every week or every day, time yeah. and time again, it, and come up with a different story every single time is is really really tough to do. Yeah. So I know, I know you say that you find the discipline difficult and you find it easy, Carl. What yeah. what do you actually find the most difficult bit about your job? <clears throat> to a lot of people, it really, especially people listening, it really is. Like I think my job is one of the best jobs in the world. But then I look at you guys, the, mm. the car journalists, and like no, you actually get to go and drive these things. I have other people drive them, and I photograph them driving it. So I think your job is is really is one of the best jobs in the world. If you're listening to this podcast, so <laughs> tell <laughs> yeah. me what. Do you, yeah, what would you consider the most difficult part of your job? Or the bit you don't particularly love as much? Oh, I hate all the admin that's involved in it. Just, <laughs> but, but that's like anything, you know, it's, it's necessary. Discipline, it is discipline. <laughs> I mean, I, the, the, the writing and all that stuff, stuff that, I just love that. That's what comes naturally to me. I like spending time with people and, like you say, the, the opportunities it brings. It's, it's tricky as a freelancer to, well, because for example, this story that I'm doing in Scotland, mm. you, you've got to you've got to take gambles all the time as a freelancer. Mm. You, you you need to go and approach people and say, I want to do this, and they sort of immediately say, well, what, well, who are you going to do it for? And I said, well, can you let me do it so I can then say to them, I'm going to do it. I can't sell something unless, you know, I can't go to a publication and say, I'm going to do this, and then arrange it afterwards. No. Because if they say, yeah, we'll take a thousand words on that, I've got to then deliver that. Yeah. It's, there's a lack of imagination, I think, and among and it's, I don't want to denigrate my PR colleagues too much, but you know they, they're, they're busy people, and you want to take good ideas to them, and you, you, you present good ideas to them, and, and, and likewise you present good ideas and stories to publications, and they'll sort of go, oh, we've not really got any budget for that, and you think you're only talking, you know, handfuls of hundreds of pounds. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not. You'll never get rich in automotive journalism. And that, that, that sort of lack of imagination from some of the editors as well, and you sort of say, I've got this, wow. and they'll go, oh, well, you know, we've, we've, sort of, we've not got budget for it. And you just go, but it's, it's buttons, because the thing is, because I do it for X amount of people, yeah. I never competing titles, you know, I'll always do it. Yeah. You know, I'll pick one publication in this country, one in another. So it's that sort of pushback. And a lot of, a lot of that publishers' budgets are, are no longer what they would have been. You know, if, if I'd done what I do now, 30, 40 years ago, mm. like all the old guys Mike and I used to see on the circuit, they're all minted, you know, because they, they were yeah. on the same sort of rates that we get paid now. Mm. But when know, it mattered. But yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, yeah. there's no inflation adjustment for that. Old, they were on the same sort of yeah, money, yeah, yeah. you know, and actually that back then, that was a lot of cash. Yeah, it's funny because you're right, Carl. I can Word remember. Word rates have done nothing. Nothing, in, yeah. In, in, I can in remember writing my first column, and I think I got paid back then because I was on TV. I was getting yeah. like a a pound a word so I'd write 
you know, an eight hundred word column. It was probably seven hundred quid I got for it. Yeah. You know, back then. Uh, with, but today, <laughs> if somebody, because I'm writing next week for somebody, um, uh, a well-known credit card company, and uh, I'm writing for them next week, and they want a thousand words, and the rate is two hundred and seventy-five quid. Wow. So yeah, that's that's, that's that's and that's good. That's all right. Mm. Mm. It's not that's great, good. but it's all right. And then, and that's that's you know that's about. You know, so and it, would you say then in that in because there will be a lot of people. I know that we have we've got a very broad age demographic that enjoy our podcast and mm. listen to our podcast. A lot of them, um, of, yeah, all ages. But there are a lot that are of the the student age. A yeah. lot who are aspiring to be motoring journalists or yeah. photographers or event organizers. You know, anything in and around the car world that isn't engineering and design. Sure. Um, but of course, we do have a lot of engineering and design students as well that listen to us. Um, Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. You've you've indicated it's not a career that's potentially going to make you a millionaire. No, good. But it is a passion led. Rich and experience, I think, is probably a way to describe it. You know, you get you get you know, if if you're lucky enough to, to, to get yourself in the position where you where you are invited by car manufacturers to, mm. to drive their cars and meet people, then you know you've, the, the the things you can do with that are f- phenomenal. I've travelled all around the world and had an yes. amazing time doing so, yeah. and thoroughly enjoyed it and met some amazing people, driven some amazing cars. Mm. It, it's just it's what you want out of life, you know. It's like it's it's most definitely a multi-millionaire lifestyle yes. with <laughs> lemonade money, yeah. Yeah. and that's these you know when you're helicoptered into. Monaco to go and drive yeah. a car around the circuit and uh, you know champagne and wine in the top restaurants in the world and that's basically car journalism if you get mm. it right if you get to the top mm. so you can live this multi-millionaire lifestyle but you basically got lemonade money you're, abs- you're absolutely spot on I mean I, I've dabbled a little bit in a, a bit of freelance journalism a bit of freelance writing but my my trade in in speech marks has always been the event industry so in sure. planning events and putting on productions and that sort of stuff and it's a very you end up in a very similar world in my big claim to fame which I've talked about 50 bajillion times on this podcast before as I was head of production for Gumball 3000 so right. I used to run the Gumball rally essentially so for Approximately half the year, you would live this lavish lifestyle of Michelin star restaurants and private jets and mm. chartered flights and five-star hotels and seven-star hotels and all sorts. And then you would get back home to your two-bedroom masonette in southwest London. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You'd have beans on toast for dinner because you fancy beans on toast for yeah. dinner. And that, to me, I used to love, you know, you'd get to the pub to see your mates that you've been friends with since school age years and be like, what, what have you been up to this week? And, you know, one mate working in a railway arches garage and another mate is selling houses and... 
yeah, you know, yesterday I was having dinner with Exhibit in Los Angeles and then yeah, we got a private amazing, jet back to the UK <laughs> and now I'm in Weatherspoons, Wimbledon, yeah, paying I've, two quid for a pint, you know? I, I've <laughs> drunk wine on car launches that I could never, ever <laughs> dream to have. I think I, I can remember being in, uh, it was in Nice, it was a beautiful SL, Mercedes SL launch in Nice with James May. And he, wherever we went in the world, he always asked for a good 1939 bottle of Krug, please. <laughs> and, um, you know, every sommelier that knows his sort would go, that doesn't exist because, the, you know, the Nazis took them all and they right. disappeared, right? So every sommelier <laughs> knows that that wine doesn't exist. I think there's one case right. in the world and it's like really sought after. And uh, we turned up in Nice and James went to the bar and said, what can I get everyone to drink? Armagnac, yes, Armagnac. Gin and tonic, what are you having, brew? I said, I'll have a beer. And he goes to the smellier in 1939 crew. <laughs> and the smellier goes, what do you want, sir? And he goes, oh, I'll have an Armagnac. So anyway, he comes and sits down and we're all having these drinks together. And uh, it was Jeff Day at oh, the good time. Good old Jeff right? Day, good lord. Good old Jeff Day, who was so loose with the PR credit card. <laughs> he was Mercedes PR and would literally, wouldn't care less about how much money he spent. Um, the sommelier disappeared then come up from the cellar and went blew on this bloody dusty no old way. bottle with a Nazi stamp on it and no. there was a bottle of 1939 Krug and he went would this do sir shall I open it and Jeff Day's going yes let's have it let's open it let's get it and the guy was saying sir it's 12,000 euros per glass or something Good it worked Lord. out so we're all going no 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 we had pictures taken with it but you know, that was about it. But I've drunk and eaten in restaurants mm. around the world and had experiences around the world I would never, ever be able to afford on City Street. No, never. that's right. Yeah. So when you get all of these amazing opportunities, opportunities and the brands put you up in these incredible hotels and fly you in, mm. amazing food, and then you get to the car and you think, actually, this is a pile of poo. I'll tell it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. How do, tell how do you, it. How tell the story. Work, but do you, how do you tell it to then also still get invited back the next time and not... Basically being you, don't worry, you don't worry about being invited back next time. You write don't the worry. story. Just be honest. You yes, have to be honest to your, listener, to your readers, to yourself. You just have to be honest. Mm. And truthfully, they know. Mm. Yeah, the they PRs, do know. The, the PRs know. know. The PRs know. The manager Even the engineers know. will tell you if it's pony. Really? You know, and... and uh, yeah, I, it's, it is a question I get asked because it is, you know, we are spoiled rotten as journalists and, and, and there is that sort of, oh, there, you must be, you know, guided by that. It's like, no, absolutely not. The only thing you've got as a journalist and, and, and particularly as a freelancer is your integrity. You, mm -hmm. You've got to, you've got to be true to yourself. And if you think someone's rubbish, you've got to say it as long as you can back it up and justify it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 20 years of professionally tested cars, I think I could judge a good car or a bad car. Yeah. Uh, but but likewise, it's got to be in context. I can't jump out of a people carrier and say, well, you know, understeers a lot, which is which used to happen quite a lot in the industry, <laughs> because that's utterly irrelevant to the buyer, you know. But but then I'm a, I've got three young children. I appreciate what a family car buyer was going to look, look for in a car, and if that's good, that's good. But if there's something wrong with it, fundamentally wrong with it, or you know, like you know, there's it, just it's not clever enough, or the competitive car is better and numerous ways, then yeah, of course you say that. That's that's your job. Mm. That's what you do. You've got to be true to yourself and your readers because mm. the second you don't do that, you're doing them a disservice. Mm. Integrity. That's yeah. what you've got to have. A lot of it. And no, I've done it to their face. I've said it to their face. You know, when I'm back at the bar, they go hours and drive to us. It was awful. Yeah. It was crap. Mm. And uh, you'll read about it. Well, I think well, that happened to me. I think, oh God, was it Dodge? Caliber or something like that. It was, think, it, was yeah. it was one of the it was one of the it was Chrysler or Dodge events and 
it was so the Mercedes Benz PR was there. It was a guy after Jeff. I can't forget his name, the commander we used to call him. Um, but he he was sort of sat there, and the the the, the MD for the company for the sort of Dodge Chrysler operation in the UK was over on the launch, mm. and he'd been sort of sat around some journalists who had been sort of been very polite about the car and. Frankly, the car was awful. It was Dodge Caliber, was it the Caliber? Yeah, it must have been the Caliber. Yeah, it was the Caliber. It was dreadful. It drove awfully. You know, the, the, it was noisy. It was really unrefined. It handled terribly. It was bouncy. It was really, really cheap plastic. The right, it was, it, was, it was a terrible, terrible car. Yeah. And the PR man asked me. He said, "What do you think of it?" I said, "Oh, it's awful." He said, "Really?" And I says, "Yeah, it is." And he was like, "All right, can you come over and tell the, the MD this because he's just been having." Smoke blowing up his arse, yeah, basically, course, by yeah, these yeah. other journalists, and he's going to go back and think that everything's, you know, hunky dory, and then he's going to read all these reviews saying it's awful. Yeah. So I went over, and the guy was like, "Well, what do you think of it?" And I says, "This is wrong. This is wrong. It's not as good as your worst European competition." Wow. Mm. You know, yes, it's cheap, and yes, it's you know a bit cheap and cheerful because of that, but it's mm. not as good as your best European competition. It's not as good as your. Your your average Korean competition at the time. So we're talking a while back now, and the Koreans have come on a huge amount. Yes, since. absolutely. And it's not as anywhere near as good as anything Japanese, or yeah. you know. So, you know, I'm sorry wow. to say it's a bit rubbish. And he and he was like, well, thanks for the honesty, because like, at least I know what I'm dealing with. Because they're often so far removed from other people's product mm. that they get entrenched in the company view and think. Of course, that, absolutely. That yeah, when you've got hunky dory, you know, a board of yes men and engineers yeah. that all want to please and get their yearly bonus yeah. in April and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Of course, that's going to happen. Absolutely. I did the same with the PT Cruiser. Oh, so, God, yeah. I don't blame you. I've never, <laughs> I mean, I've never I, driven one. I know yeah. that it's going to be well, awful. I just I d went on the launch. It was up in um, it's like Denmark or Sweden or somewhere mm. like that. The the global launch for it, and uh, I remember being. Uh, after in the bar and there was a lot of people going about the retro style in the fonds and all this stuff yeah and uh the um design director asked me what i thought of it and i just said it was a <laughs> pile of beep <laughs> and i said it's the worst driving car I've driven for a long time uh, i've already seen because they had the designs they had the coupe but they had the designs for the convertible that they were showing up on screen. Right. And I said, if you bring that convertible to the market, you'll be laughed at. Yeah. Globally, you'll be yeah. laughed at. Yeah. I said, it looks like a Victorian pram. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I was very brutal and honest. Funny enough, I never got invited like, <laughs> <laughs> for, to any other launch after. But no, I, to be honest, to, to at the time that was for... Uh, who was I writing that for? I think I was writing that for Barclay Card or someone. Right, interesting. And at the time, I I just had to be honest and say what a pile of crap I thought it was. Yeah, that's still true <laughs> So I mean, Amy insinuated earlier to the whole, you know, the risk of saying harsh things about a car, and and you may not, as you said, get invited back to do another launch with them or another car product. We're now in this very very interesting world of influencers, mm. YouTubers, influencers, social media influencers, however you want to describe them. Um, where you know my my personal opinion, as I think I've, I've voiced many times before in the podcast, is that there's space for both. You either are you are a, a professional journalist or you are an influencer. Both have a market, both a market that doesn't necessarily overlap. Where do you stand as a as a fully fledged motoring journalist? And likewise for you, Mike, because you know, having done a bit of journalism in the past, and you you basically seen every 
every area of automotive media, haven't you? From old school TV to yep. writing to online to yep. podcasts. Here, well, before, here now. before Kyle talks, I'll quickly say I see it coming. Yeah. And I was, you know, again with the old journalists, you know, the regular journalists going on car launches. This is seven, no, probably 10 years ago. And then all of a sudden you've got these young kids mm. turning up with a GoPro. Yeah. And they've got, you know, 75 followers. And mm. I think, why are they here? You know, what mm. are they doing here? And there was a little bit of jealousy creeping in. I was thinking, why are they here? You know, we're we're off to Nice to go and drive a Mercedes SL. You yeah, know, what's yeah. this kid doing here? And uh, I could see it happening. And that was at about the time when I thought, for me, I tended to think that journalism wasn't going the way that I wanted it to go, mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I started to do less right. of that written journalism. Gotcha. I could see it changing and I stepped back from doing written journalism because I thought that's not the world I want to be in. I don't mm. want to just turn up with a GoPro, walk around a car, talk to the GoPro, uh, and that was good enough. You know, that was good enough for a, for a manufacturer to say, yeah, you know, we'll spend £20,000 on you, flying you, and putting you up in a hotel. Uh, I just didn't want to be in that world anymore. Gotcha. So uh, you, I mean, Mark? there are people that do it very, very well. You know, yeah. some of these influencer guys are fantastic. You know, yeah. they do. And as, as long as there's... I, I'm very inclusive. I mean, I genuinely mm. think you know that there's enough space in the world for everybody to do what they like, yeah, you know, yeah. and long may it continue. But at the same time, I was I, initially when this started, I think Mike, Mike touched on it there when 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 it was taking seats on launches of regular journalists and you know journalists mm. who are writing a, a story and, and as journalists, you know, so they they're not part of the marketing team or an extension of marketing. Sure. You know, we are critical by nature because that's what we do as a job. The second somebody's there and they are perhaps being paid by the manufacturer yeah. or bankrolling themselves because they're independently wealthy or mm. you know they, they have family money or whatever it is behind them and they can just go on these things and see it as a, as a, as a, a means for them to make themselves into influencers. Whatnot. It does blur the lines a little bit because it's all, isn't this brilliant? This is great. Uh, they're not really part, you know, partaking in what I would consider journalism. They're, 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 yeah. They are they are just describing stuff. And I was going to say, it's not necessarily journalism, but more um, advertising. It is, yeah, it's marketing. Yeah, yeah it's marketing, isn't it's it? It's marketing. And it's, it's often not necessarily there to write about the car. They're there going, hey, guys, we flew in on a chartered yeah, yeah, jet and we yeah. had a Michelin-star meal and we're staying in a castle. And, and I think that's fine. And I think, I think you know, Michael Michael say the same. Like there, there's, there's, there's a television wave and there's the, the and, and now there's sort of video crew ways, mm. and then there was a sort of writer ways on, on launches. That was quite a normal way of doing things. But influencers are starting to creep in, and like I say, there's space for everybody. Yeah. Um. And you know they, they fulfil their role. I just tend to it does blur the lines a, a little bit though, think, which is a I, bit scary. I think with influencers though, my problem is with it. It's about them. It's about them getting yes. more more influence. That's their their yeah. title. Yeah. It's not about They're their the listeners. Product, it's they? not about their readers. It's yeah. not about the. It's about them. Right. It, it, the story is about this. Is my experience with this car? Aren't I amazing? I'm doing this, mm. and it's about them. It's not about this. Is what you should look out for if you are thinking of going to buy this car. Yeah, um, and that's my problem with it. It's not. It's motoring journalism, but it's blurred lines, as Carl's saying, between motoring journalism and marketing, mm. and it, it it's not it's not in its truest sense of the form proper motoring journalism, yeah. where you have to tell a story and be tactile with that story to make mm. the listener believe what you're saying. A reader, sorry. I get that. Yeah, that's interesting. So on that, so to follow on from that, 
another aspect of journalism and writing that has always fascinated me. And so I'm somebody who uh, really enjoys track day driving. I do a lot of driving. I've dabbled a tiny, tiny little bit in motorsports and racing. And I really enjoy the physics of a car, how a car mm. drives. And since I kind of entered that realm as a 17, 18 year old, as soon as I got my driver's license, the first thing I wanted to do was understand the, the dynamics of driving on a motor racing circuit. Mm. So for me, I was fascinated with track days, car control days, that sort of stuff. I ended up going on and running my own track day and car control day companies or assisting in running mm. track day and car, car control companies, I should say. And my understanding of cars changed entirely. And as did my understanding and my perception of how cars are reviewed by journalists, because I see a lot of fantastic journalists that will write about cars, tell the most wonderful, whimsical, enjoyable to read stories but they're not necessarily telling me about the way that a car drives. And I know that for me personally, I might be a very small percentage of the market that wants to understand how the car feels on turn in, how does mm. it turn in if you do a bit of trail braking or that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then, then I'm hit with this wall of conflict with the influencer versus journalist, where I know some influencers who are very good peddlers, very, mm. very good drivers. Mm. Joe Achilles is a friend of mine and he's a very, very good driver. So when Joe reviews a car on his YouTube channel, I will watch and look and read and listen mm. to what he has to say because I know his, his ability. We've driven together in far-flung corners of the world. There are also motoring journalists who are fully qualified, university degrees, have written for the best publications in the world. I wouldn't dream of sitting in the passenger seat with them because no, I think their driving likewise. is terrible. <laughs> Where do you stand with that? Because again, if I, you know, I, I'm not in the market to buy the new uh, the, the new top of top Ferrari. Mm. Um, but if I were, I'd want the review of that car to be from somebody that I know is a great peddler, somebody like a Chris Harris, yeah. um, who I understand has the ability to pedal that car in the way that it's been designed to be pedaled. Mm. Where do you stand with that? And journalists of all ages, of all stages of their career, getting into supercars, hypercars and sports cars and having a true opinion on how something drives if they're not a racing driver or somebody that has a lot of interest in the true physics and dynamics of a car. I, I think I've always sort of looked at it as there's, or there needs to be almost like an apprenticeship sort of mm. thing, you know, and, and the magazines are quite good or used to be quite good at taking guys and girls who wanted to be road testers and sort of, you know, letting them build up to it. Yeah. So they'd start, they'd start on modestly powered cars sure. and they would go and do more and more and more. And, and the best publications would, you know, they, they wouldn't just send somebody straight on a, Lamborghini launch or whatever, course, yeah. and, 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 and they would build up to that. I mean, I certainly, and, and some of it was due to insurance reasons. You know, when yes, I started, course, I was young yeah. enough, I, I couldn't drive some of the cars for, for insurance purposes, yeah. and manufacturers wouldn't insure you on them. Um, but it is surprising, and, and, and you know, it shames me to say this, but some of my colleagues can't drive at all. Mm. Like, genuinely, around a circuit, you, you follow them, and you're just like, Scary. oh, my God. Would they admit that, or is that something? No, no, well, so, well... <laughs> If they use the I term think in fairness, track work, that's when you tend to know that they're bad. I think, I think, I mean, there are there are a number of exceptionally good drivers out there. You mentioned Chris, people like Bovingdon, you yes, know, Dickie course. Mead yeah. and John Barker, yeah. like yeah. Uh, Sutcliffe, you know, all these guys are outstanding drivers. You know, yeah. what they can do with a car is incre incredible. Yeah. And not only that, they're all damn talented writers as well. So those are the guys that you go to. Those mm. are the sort of go-to guys if you want. There is, there, and, and you know, I've seen it many a time where you've been on launches, and there has been, you know, somebody who's been at a magazine for a few weeks who's on a launch, and, and you've got to think that's their editor's 
that's their editor's issue. They shouldn't be sending that person. Yes, that's right. Because it should be in context. They should they should have enough knowledge built up over a year or however long it takes to, to, to be able to judge a car properly. Mm. And I also think they should also be given some sort of training. I know I know that Haymarket did used to take them to the Don Law or yeah, was it? Yeah, they used oh, to yeah. they used to they used to send the guys to, to do some proper training because that's you know part and parcel of what they do. But it, it, it is surprising and having sat beside countless journalists, <laughs> and like Mike was saying earlier on, I choose who I drive with. Yeah. Because I know how I like to drive, and I do drive fast, and I, I'm quite happy to throw a car sideways and do yeah. all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I really enjoy that, and that's part of the joy of what I do. But likewise, I know people that, that wouldn't have the first clue mm. to how to do that, and I've been driving for, and writing for yeah. years, decades yeah. even, you know? So, so you pick who you drive with. Um, it is, <laughs> Like you say, you know, some of the influencers are superb drivers as well. You know, it's, of course. It's, it's, it's inevitable that, you know, there will be people who are better at driving than others. Mm. And, you know, just, just because you're a Mortland journalist doesn't mean you're a good driver. Right. I mean, and, and, and you know, you'd be amazed at how many of them are pretty average and some of them are downright rubbish. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I, would, I would not pick up an article, read an article, watch an article of a Ferrari 812 Superfast mm. written by... John Smith from the Liverpool Echo. I wouldn't do <laughs> no, that. Right, yeah. I would go for the, you know, the Bobbingtons, the Barkers, yeah. the Fortunes. I'd, I'd rather have them tell me the story of the car because I know they've driven it eight tenths. Yes. You know, I don't want John Smith from the Liverpool Echo driving the car at seven tenths, making up a story about how well it drives. Yeah. I want to have the experience of what that car felt like. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I think the journalists should know their limitations. I've actually turned down drives in cars really? because the cars were way beyond my capability. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've turned that down. I've been offered to go and film loads of cars around the world. But I thought, I'm not the right guy to be driving this car because it's way beyond my ability. The mm. car's so mm. much better than I am. And I've been track trained. I've been advanced driving trained. I've done all kinds of... I sat for four years next to Jason Plato. <laughs> if that doesn't give you an education, nothing right. will. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can pedal a car, but there's some cars out there, even I don't think my listeners, readers, mm. viewers, would want me to be driving because I wouldn't give an accurate description of it. Yeah. You're more modest than me because I'll, I'll jump in anything. Give me the keys and I'll, <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. I, I, don't want, I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> you know, I got dr driven into the side of a mountain by a well-known journal yeah. on an MR2 launch in uh, where the that hill, was New York, uh, Madrid. Yeah. New York. I remember that one. Yeah, once. Mallorca. Yeah. You remember? Yeah, I, I remember. Driven into launch, the yeah. side of a mountain. Wow. They were, I think and that was one of those famous launches where they were starting to reconstruct cars out of broken cars because really? so many of them had been spanked. And that was wow. terrifying. I was sat in the passenger seat, you know, and I'm going, slow down, slow down. You can't do this, slow down. So, ah, bang! And it was like, thank God we went into the mountainside, not the other, not side. The other yeah. side. If yeah. we went down the other side, we would not be having this conversation yeah. today. I, I mean, I, I, I was chuckling along of that the the driver being paired with co-driver on launches because I again I, in my time of dabbling with a bit of freelance journalism, I've gone on a few launches. The first launch I ever did, my claim to fame, uh, was the and I don't mean to brag here, guys, but it was the Peugeot 307, no, 308 Cabriolet at, uh, at St. David's Hotel in Cardiff. It was oh, it's a nice hotel. It was quite the launch, as you can imagine. Now, I, I, I'd i like to say I won't mention the journalist's name because it's only fair to him, but I actually can't remember his name. But he was, he was one of the old boys, and I believe he was writing for 
a, a fairly big newspaper at the time. But believe it or not, on our drive, uh, the, the day that we were paired, oh, you're going to be paired with this old codger. And he looked at me as this young 19, 20-year-old fool. And he was, as far as I was concerned, 108. And he fell asleep at the wheel whilst we were driving because he'd had such a heavy night Jesus. at the bar the night before. And I remember saying to him, as we got to one of our checkpoints on that particular day, I was like, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll drive the rest of the way because I'm so terrified that we, you're going to kill us both. Jesus. But he fell asleep at the wheel. And, um, you know, I hear these horror stories That's all the disgusting. time from I've been, I've been on launches with journos that are so drunk by the time they get off yeah, the aeroplane, yeah, yeah, yeah. they can't drive the car. Yeah. Uh, or been so drunk when they've got to the hotel that they can't drive the car. Oh, and that's happened on quite a few occasions. I um, saw that at the start of my career as well. I think, mm. I think the thing that changed it and brought a little bit more discipline into it is um, the internet arrived and, you know, yeah. People needed copy straight away. Mm-hmm. So, like Mike mentioned earlier, I'd be up in my room typing words for clients because they needed. To the car was them never in park. <laughs> well, I, I don't, don't don't get me we wrong. I'm a Scotsman. He's always... so Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> he's so Scottish. I call. He's never in the park. Always turns up late. All right, boys, my rent. Oh, you're finished. <laughs> well, I always do one thing. I will will see. I mean, I, I I did used to skip dinner to 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 do words. And I subsequently realised that was the wrong thing to do because the, the dinners when you sit and chat to the engineers and you've got the marketing people, you get that, and, and that's get little insights. where you get the little insights. And I would say to clients, I said, well, you can have the copy straight away, like literally within hours of me getting in the car if you yeah. need it. That, but, but I guarantee you'll get better copy if I give it to you in the morning because then I'll have spent the night with the engineers and, and, and being able to sort of download them a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, all joking aside, I mean, I, I do, or I, I did miss that sort of thing back in the day, but you know, I'd always come down just to one, see my friends and, and catch up, but, but there was always, there's always a story there. There's always a way that you can add to your copy. So that was it. always worthwhile. Great stuff. Well, this has been lovely. It's been a great insight to a, a side of the industry that I think so many people love hearing about. And it's been great to, to have you both here, Mike and, and Carl. Um, if people want to read your words, Carl, where do they go? Oh, How gosh. do they see you? Um, well, probably the best thing to just chuck my name into Google, and you'll you'll you'll, you'll see it on and all sorts of publications. What a name it is, Carl Fortune. It's... It was almost destined to be a byline, wasn't it? It's like my parents knew, because funnily enough, there's there's oh, how many D- David. Uh, and all sorts yes. of they're, they're, they're doing it. So I am very lucky that I've yeah, got a, a quite a recognisable name. You should be Carl Fortunate. <laughs> yeah. um, and I assume you're on Instagram. I am, yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. Kyle Fortune 205, I think, on Instagram because I've got an old 205. Mm-hmm. Pretty which, strong opinions yeah, on the 205. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a great car. Like, that, that, that stems back to my first car launch. I did the 206 GTI oh, wow. and I ended up borrowing a colleague's car. Um, when I got back, because he was interested in driving the 206, so he gave me his 205 for the night. And I subsequently bought it and I've had it 21 years since. So that's, Wonderful. So, yeah, my, my words, I do a lot of work for Total 911 magazine. Yeah. I love that magazine. It's a great publication to write for because it lets me indulge my passion of Porsches. But, but you know, anywhere, basically, you know, I did, I did something for Motor Trend only the last week, you know, Aston Martin Victor. Um, I write for publications in Australia, America. Fantastic. France, all over the place. So get Googling Carl Fortune if you want to see some of the words. Of course, we have Mike Brewer here. Mike Brewer's on Instagram as Mike Brewer, I believe. Yes. Amy's here as Amy Shaw Photography. The longest Instagram handle I think ever written in the history of Instagram handles. Annoyingly, yes. Annoyingly, annoyingly inconvenient for Instagram stories I've when you're to, trying to write tags. And exactly. So. I just, oh, she's just taken up the whole out. page. Yeah. <laughs> I have tried to get just Amy Shaw, but she won't let me have it. Right, Amy Shaw, if you're listening, <laughs> you just become over. ASP. 
<laughs> just become <laughs> ASP. <laughs> Amy Shaw Photography, ASP. That's a good idea. Awesome. Hashtag ASP. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to follow everything that we do, uh, we, of course, are Driven Chats on Instagram and all the other various social media feeds. Thank you so, so much for listening. Carl, thank you so much for joining My us. Pleasure. It's been a couple of weeks of chit-chatting yeah, getting yeah, you in has, here. Yeah. And it's been wonderful to have you here. Mike, thank you so much for sticking around with us. It's such an honour to sit here with Carl and do this. It was brilliant. It was uh, just hanging around with me mate again. It was great. There you go. Thank Amy, you. thank you ever so much, thank as you. ever. And to the most important people here is you, the listener. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back with you same time next week with more of the same but possibly not quite as brilliant car conversation because <laughs> this was so brilliant <laughs> thanks for listening see you soon the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital you dream it we bring it to life find out more at drivenchat.com oh wow you've made it to the end the very end and it's john markar here again reminding you that this podcast the driven chat podcast has now run its course and has come to an end to find the new format search the driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps thanks bye